As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Hello, Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast listeners. Luke, checking in here with you. Uh, you've obviously punched through to this week's Storytime segment with the legend himself, Dan Fletcher. This is an interview actually facilitated by my co-instructor within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, uh, five-time NHRA world champion in his own right, uh, Justin Lamb. So this is Justin and Dan. Um, regrettably, the audio on this isn't great. Zoom wasn't necessarily cooperating, so there's some areas where it cuts in and out. But uh, even with that, just the, the personality and likability of Dan Fletcher really comes through. So I think it is worth the less the uh, the listen regardless. Um, fun times here. Like Fletch talks about uh, knockdown, drag out, war of words on the starting line in Seattle. He shares uh, a little bit of insight to the life and times of Anthony Bertozzi. Uh, talks about some personal stuff, obviously how um, the this COVID pandemic is impacting him, uh, both personally and professionally, uh, talks about the possibility of relocating from um, New York to North Carolina, and, uh, and last but not least, talks about his new purchase, Dan Fletcher on a Sportster. All right, so without further ado, I'm going to turn this over to Justin and Dan. I just wanted to preface it because I know that there are, these are a couple of voices that you're not necessarily accustomed to hearing on a regular basis here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. It is story time. Justin Lamb and Dan Fletcher. Enjoy. Cool. All right, we should be live. It says so. All right. What uh, what's going on in New York today? Oh, not a lot. Just sitting around having bonbons, just hanging out. Yeah, I figured as much. Yeah, you know. Story of your life. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, I went to a wanted to a <clears throat> a new valve covers for the wagon. Okay. So being the thrifty sort, of, I ordered them off of Jags, just cheap, whatever 
black powder coated ones and they didn't fit they were because they're square they weren't rounded on the corners and they hit the alternator and uh so they sent them back because they were so expensive 125 dollars and uh so i had to run a set of valve curves up to my buddy's shop today to have them weld holes closed and take them to the powder coater and blah 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 I told you the other day, everything I own is going to be painted or powder coated by the time this is over. So. Well, I mean, it's a good time to get it all done, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, nothing else to do. So right. We're getting it done. Well, um, for those of you that don't know, we got a few people watching now, but... Uh, there you go. Oh, I'm sorry. We might be fighting that a little bit. One of us has a bad internet connection. But anyways, Dan Fletcher's joining us today. One of, if not the most accomplished... Uh, particular NHRA sportsman drivers ever, but uh, just drag racing in general. And, uh, we're, you know, we're really happy to have you. And we just want to, uh, I don't know, like have story time, like tell us some good stories. Like that's what I want to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a very, very dull life, dude. No stories. Yeah. By the way, uh, my computer thing just flashed up and said, Justin's bandwidth is low. So uh, I don't know if someone around the house there can turn off their iPads or what they got going, but. Let me uh, see what I can figure out here. Hold on. Is there a no shave system here in the quarantine or what do we got going? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I uh, no, it's just pure laziness to be honest with you. I, uh, I hear you're lazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, just, uh, just laziness. We went camping with the family and uh, man, it should be good, Dan. I as you freeze. <laughs> as I freeze. Well, as hopefully everybody can hear us. All right. They can. But uh, anyways, I uh, I don't know. I just wanted to, I don't know. Let's just talk about old story. I don't care if it's racing, personal, whatever. But uh, one of the things that amazed me, and I know everybody knows like your stock and super stock career, but you jumped in Rick Braun's comp car. And like, in my opinion, like dominated comp for a while, in particular on the West Coast, but you even took it home. But What's the story there? Like, how did you meet Rick Braun? What, I mean, there had to be some good stories racing comp. I mean, I know that car at times was a handful. You didn't fit in it the best. Let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> the best? No, not <laughs> the best, no. <clears throat> um, Sal, our buddy Sal Biondo, um, somehow got hooked up with Rick. And then when Sal wasn't able to do it anymore, um, you know, because of business concerns and family concerns, whatever. Um, I was either roped into it or given the opportunity, whichever way you want to call it. And uh, so, the, you know, you say stories. Um, I had known Rick from racing way back when, you know, when he ran Superstock and always said really nice stuff, super good guy. And knew his brother, Dustin. Um, through the comp experience, got to be great friends with Ricky Barnhouse, super, super great guy. Um, so when he started running the comp deal with Rick, he was talking about stories. <laughs> the very first time I'm racing his car was when it was the red fire chicken, the old car. Yeah. And uh, we're at Phoenix. It was the first race. He's towing me up to the lanes, whatever. I'm looking down at my belts, doing something. Next thing you know, Shove, bam! I just freaking plowed into the ass under the golf cart. He had just locked him up and stopped for some reason. And I just, I just freaking T-boned him. Just fucking nailed the ass of the golf cart. Punched, 
the five the front end dude had just stuffed it in. I mean, but took the front end off and like kicked it and got the dent back out of it. And I forget who it was. Someone come, don't worry, it'll buff out, you know, whatever. It just oh my god, my first experience here, like just shellacked the ass of the golf cart looking wow. down. I didn't make a very it was a less than auspicious start, shall we say. Right, right. But it well, it went way uphill from there. I know that. Mm-hmm. I uh so then, all right, so another comp story, right? He, uh, Diamond Rick decides he wants a, wants a new car and sells a Firebird. Firebird is old, whatever, but it was a really super good car. I mean, it was a really good race car. And uh, I didn't want him to sell it, but he wanted to sell it. So uh, he bought the Bernie, the purple car from uh, Barcelona. We just took the motor and trans out of the fire check and put in the cobalt. Now we'd never run the thing, never raced it and go to Seattle for the very first race of the year or the first race in the car. And it was a year that it rained nonstop and they actually put us in eliminations with no time runs. I remember I was there. Well, that was awesome. That worked out great. Brand new car, never even done a burnout in it. And they put you in, Lattery off points. I had no points, <laughs> you know, so that didn't work out too good. So that was the first race in the car. Picked up the pace after that, at least, and started to get a little bit better. I uh, I remember that race. In fact, uh, when Pete was on here a couple <clears throat> weeks ago, we might have told the story of when a rental car got flipped. That was the same race. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah, you remember. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. I remember one of the highlights of you racing comp for me was I was at the four wide nationals in Charlotte, like the inaugural event. And you had brought the comp car there, I think by yourself without Braun. I don't, I don't really know for sure, but you were there racing in and uh, I lost first round. I was racing top dragster and I'm up. So my buddy, Travis Harvey says, you want to come in the stands and bet with these guys. So there's like this group of guys that all bet all the time. And uh, I'm like, yeah, no problem. Well, I had no idea how smart these guys were. Like I get up there and they look like, a bunch of whatever i'm like these guys aren't gonna know they were like totally kicking my ass the whole time like i was probably down five six seven hundred dollars something along those lines well comp comes up well they didn't i I don't know that they realized how like the cic system worked and they all just loved arnie martell so you were racing arnie it was like third or fourth round and you were clean and he was down there we go sorry so needless to say in one pair your pair i won like 2500 bucks because they all took arnie you know nice Nice, it was nice. Pretty funny. So the race in Seattle when you uh <clears throat> there's a classic story everywhere. That that race there, when the rental car race, whatever. Um again, no time runs for anything. You know me, obviously. I always go up last. But I decided I'm gonna roll up there first in superstock. And I forget the guy's name now. Um a local Washington guy, and my kids were little well thomas was 16 i think because he was racing 17 maybe but they called it the what was the guy's name it was like a a t1000 super stock thing and the guy's name was larry something or other super nice guy you froze again so i'm going to assume you can hear me so i'm going to keep going i can hear you when you freeze you can i keep going yes okay What's the guy's name? I can't remember. He, he, Cause he sent me a picture of his car <laughs> after he beat me. <laughs> after I, I, what did I, so I wheel up there first. It's no offense to the guy. Right. But it's 
not a real high dollar car. It's a T1000 thing. And my kids called it the mailbox car. It literally had like a freaking mailbox thing on the hood for the scoop or something. It was like a super stock F compact, whatever the hell it would be. I don't know. 12, 13 second car or something like that. And my dad's car, I think, was a modified car at that point. I'm quite sure. Well, let's this thing leave. I mean, because I'm giving them 88 seconds head start. It leaves and that that falls on its face and fucking just stammers all. Don't I? I mean, I've got plenty of time to refocus. And I'm like, we have not had a time run. You're going to base everything off of this. I've still got to crack it. I can't. I can't just let it come on and sit there and be. 50 or something. I got to hit it. So I know I, I turn it red. This guy's car goes like 20 seconds or something. He's way over the dial in. And I turned it red. I, I, Bottom line is this guy goes 20 seconds. You turn it red behind him. And uh, yeah, yeah, one of my prouder moments. I can tell you. So one of the maddest I've ever seen any individual ever, which Dan might be known for having a little bit of a temper anyway. It was the final round in Seattle in stock when you got shut off after you did your burnout. You remember this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't mad, bro. I was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dan, uh, you, you've been in both cars, I remember. And for some reason, I, I think I went over there to offer if you needed help. So I was just kind of there like in the background. You clearly didn't need help. But like if something happened, I was there for you, right? Yeah. Dan does burnout. They shut the cars off. I don't remember why. Something on the track, whatever. He fires the car back up in stages. And if I remember correctly, you didn't turn the fuel pump back on. Is that right? Yeah, you remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seattle had some bad time. Rental cars, fuel pumps. That was, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, I think I was in the final of both. You were. I won the other one and lost that one, obviously. As, yeah. as I hit the gas and go, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it didn't work out too good. What about, I? go ahead. No, the others go back to the same Seattle. So you put the comp car doesn't get a time run. The super stocker, I read late to the mailbox car. Is a, I want to say Larry Nelson. It wasn't Larry Nelson. It was something like that. Super nice guy, whatever. So yeah, no time run, get cracked. And, dude, I can't be further away from home when I'm in Seattle, Washington, right, than where I live. Absolutely. So my son Thomas is driving a Stocker. And uh, he had gotten a time run. Stock had gotten a time run. The other classes didn't. Okay. Um, wind up getting hooked heads up with methods in the semis. I'm going to say the semis. Maybe it was the quarters. Because Thomas then lost to Waldo and it wasn't the final. So it must have been like the quarters. Well, Thomas is 16 and the car, or 17. Car's a 375, 396. Didn't start all that well. <clears throat> Heads up run. It's all iced up and, you know, you know all the everything, whatever. And uh, I remember back in the lanes, even before that, when the when he did get it started, I told him like, you know, whack the gas once to try and, you know, throw the water off the motor, you know, you know, you know, to get the water to come off the intake or we fucking does like a 300 foot shorty through the staging lanes. You know, Fabio was there with 
the guy with the wagon, he was laughing his ass off, whatever. <laughs> so, now, so now we're up there to, to race methods. <clears throat> and it's time to go to the water, you know, to start the car. And he can't get the car started. So method is like, it's Marianne's driving. Cal's not in the car. And uh, I mean, Cal's obviously a super nice guy, whatever. I mean, but this is a crazy story. Thomas can't get the car started. I'm in the car with him. I, you know, I got the hood up. I tell him to hit the starter. I hold the throttle open. It just, you know, he had it flooded, whatever. Well, so methods had like gone up there and done their burnout or whatever. And we did, you know, they had to wait on us a little bit. I forget the details now, but you know, it wasn't like it was a real long time, but they, he couldn't get the car started. So they definitely were waiting, you know, 10 seconds, whatever it might have been. I don't know. And uh, whoever the track manager was, was down on the starting line. Like he was going to go up and turn a power switch off on the on my car as Thomas was staging. Got in a huge shit show argument with him and Cal Method. Cal just lost his mind. You know, you East Coast game players, I mean, screaming and yelling at me. I mean, it was the most bizarre freaking. Oh, we won. I'm sorry. Probably wouldn't have yelled at me had we not won the race, but it was a great race. I mean, like 1020 to 1019, you know, just great fucking race. Really super good race. Yeah. And we won. And Pete Biondo's crew guy, Tom K, you know, Tom, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there and he was helping us. And Method's losing his mind, screaming at me, you gave it. And Tom's going, we beat you, we beat you. <laughs> Dude, it was just classic. It was just awesome. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, no time running the comp car, get cracked, get beat by the mailbox car because I read light, and then have an argument, a fight with Cal Method, who's probably the nicest, quietest, most likable person. And I'm the big meanie out-of-town guy, right? I'm the big, you know, so it was just – yeah, that was a fun, fun times. Good times. Oh, yeah. For sure. What about, so I tried to get this out of Pete and I'm just curious. I know, you know, him pretty well too, but uh, can you, I, and I always feel like these stories are the funniest if you can tell them publicly, but do you have any good Anthony Bertozzi stories? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably <not. laughs> Anthony's the best guy ever, dude. I mean, right? I'm not queer, nothing that's wrong with being queer, that would be fine. But if I was queer, I would I would want Anthony. He's right. the best guy ever, dude. I mean, good looking guy, funnest guy, all smoky, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any classic ones. I just, being in the casinos with him, he's just a fun gambler, whatever. I do remember, he, dude, he's just, you can't get him down. That's one person yeah. I've never seen mad, ever. Never seen him mad. You can't make him mad. I mean, just the nicest guy ever. I remember being at Moroso at the five day in November, <clears throat> being over at his trailer, and uh, his shit used to tend to break a fair amount, it seemed. <laughs> Every now and then he'd have some mechanical issues. And I just remember he come back in his drags, he got towed back, and the thing was broke. This is when he's still with Melinda. I mean, it's a long time ago. And I remember taking a Sharpie and the aluminum valve cover and just writing, blown up like a bitch on the valve cover. And I, I'm going to go cook some fish. And off you went to go cook somewhere. He just don't care, dude. Does I mean, he care. is just the nicest guy ever, dude. Love, love Anthony. Great dude. 
Yeah, absolutely. He, uh, I'll never forget. I was going to meet them. They were in Vegas and, uh, it's like Pete oh, and Kyle. Vegas. And Vegas is his all. He's just there for the hoes and the yos, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I'll never forget Pete and Kyle were like, yeah, yeah. Come meet us out. Come meet us out. So I'm like, all right, what hotel you at? So I drive out there. I'm like, well, where are you guys at? He goes, you'll hear us. Don't worry. And I just, I mean, think about how loud the casino floor is in Vegas. And I can hear Anthony just yelling at the craps table. Like, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was with a huge group surrounding him, you know, just. Dude, it was okay. Now I do have one. We're in Atlantic City one time. And uh, Anthony and Pete at this table, whatever. And it was that same deal. I, I'm not a big craps player or whatever. And I was just there observing it. Um, who was watching it with me? Someone else is taking it in with me. Damn it. I don't even know why we were there. But, dude, it was the hottest run. They had to – Anthony had to be throwing for, like, literally an hour. And it was the same deal where there's, like, a 100 people around the table, dude. I mean, and the juice, the energy was just – I've never seen anything like it. He just kept making numbers, and people were screaming and yelling. And, dude, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. He is. He's a fun person, dude. He know he knows how to enjoy life. That's for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. What about uh, like switching gears? I know you made uh, like a bunch of uh, sponsorship changes and stuff this year, and one of them, uh, I know you put ATI as the primary sponsor on a few of your cars. Yeah, is that what we're wearing right now? <laughs> uh, ATI. I know a little bit about it, but it's pretty cool for those of you that don't know. Do you know much about this new 350 aftermarket case? They're like, ATI is like the first ones to build an aftermarket 350. Is that right? Yeah, that's, it's my understanding. And I don't have one yet, but uh, I mean, it's super cool. He put, you know, JC put a ton of time and money and R&D into doing this case. I do training shields suck. You know, I think yeah. everyone would agree a blanket and shield sucks. So all of our cars are glides except my stock is a 350. So I'm going to be getting one of those cases here pretty quick. Um, but just that to me is one of the the greatest inventions, you know, known to man. I mean, aftermarket case is just the best. And I cannot, dude, I'm not near smart enough to even wrap my head a little bit around what it would take to engineer that and do it. I mean, can you imagine? You're, you're smart. I mean, how in the world do you, how do you even start to do that? I, I have no idea. Yeah, so I have no, that's no idea either. Awesome product. Awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. I have one in order myself and uh, I can't wait to get it. Same thing. Like I run a 350 on my Copo and with the shields and, and it's not an easy car to work on anyway. As far as the training is concerned, it's not easy. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's definitely pretty cool. So, or a 69 stocker, I'm hoping actually will need a blanket this year. <laughs> So where I haven't needed a case, I'm thinking that things should be able to crack into the tens with the new bullet that Tilburg just did for it. So as a GH car, you know, it should be able to go 10 something in G at least, I would hope, you know? Right, right. No, I agree. What, uh, what about uh, like, I don't know, pick up, what's like your most memorable race, I guess? Do you have one race that like, I, I, that sticks out like as your most memorable maybe one that you won or one that uh, you didn't think you could win and you turned on a win line you know like what uh is there like i mean you've raced a ton obviously and, and won probably more races than most people have been to but is there like one race that you could tell a story that was just awesome i guess hmm. i don't know 
No, no. Um, I told a story in a Money Morning Racer one. It was a pretty good story of how I won in English town once. Where we got a crash on the way there and still won the race. So that was a good one. I think one time I won in Vegas. My friend Bernie Cunningham helped a lot with this one. The thing in a, in a time run, in a time run, the thing broke a gear set, and the, you know, broke the planetary. So we're changing the tranny, you know, after not even in a big hurry to do it, eliminations or next day or something. And uh, like I'm going to turn the flywheel over, turn the flex plate over and unbolt the converter. Freaking motor is locked up. Someone broke a valve. Like it broke the planetary set. That's why I shut the thing off. And it left and shut it. It didn't. But it freaking broke the motor at the same time. And so we had to change motor and training before first round. And I mean, it was one of them deals where, and I'm getting chased and I was holding half a second, (laughs) first round getting chased. I had no idea what, and I wound up winning that race. I remember that one. That's cool. When I won the first year I won the championship, back when you were still in juniors. What what year um, was that? 98. 98. I won the points meet at the end of the year at Phoenix and beat Jimmy in the final. And I just remember that when the wind light came on, I mean, I dropped and was trying to get behind and he generally isn't going to hit the brakes and he must hit the brakes or something. Cause it was like, God turned my wind light on. I mean, I was trying to get behind him and I wound up getting there by a couple thou and just however it worked out. I remember winning another race. Number 26 was actually driving a stalker at that time for Brian Oaks. And I had him heads up on like the semis and he turned it red and was going to outrun me. And I won the race. I remember thinking that was divine intervention. Um, I don't know. I don't win many races anymore. I remember, I can tell you more about my losses. <laughs> I, remember, I remember being triple zero against someone at the end of the year in Vegas, not last year, but the year before, and being dialed to hold it wide open and still hitting the brakes and letting him buy me by a thou. I remember that. Yeah. I heard about you're, that. You remember that? I heard about it. Yeah. Tell me about this because I know your personality. I'm going to just like Fletcher is probably the most anal um, perfectionist I know. Like uh, just everything has to be a certain way. You have to drive a car a certain way, warm it up a certain way, go to the bathroom a certain way, wake up a certain way. Everything's got to be the right way. Right. And and I raced with Kyle for a long time. And uh, I know that he's the whole Oh, yeah, he's the same. Yeah, he's the polar opposite of that. But I remember one time, and I don't know if there's any good stories of it, but I'm really curious how it went. I think he drove your stock or something in Sonoma, didn't he? He did. He actually What did. was that like? It was fun. It was fun. How can you not have fun with Kyle, right? I mean, you're always yeah. going to have fun, you know. He might, might not have shown up quite as early as I would have liked, but, you know, <laughs> uh, he, he drove good. He drove good. Or, yeah, it's Sonoma. He drove my stagger. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I was just thinking that'd be like the two opposites. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if we could find the middle, we'd probably be okay. Right. You know, we're, we're both a little bit too far one side, probably. You know? Yeah. Would you, you meet Kyle? Mistakes, 
one of us takes it a little bit too serious and one maybe not serious enough. Not serious enough, right? Absolutely. That That's one of the things that for me, racing with him was like a good balance because I guess we kind of meet in the middle of times, you know, like, yeah. that, you know, same thing. But yeah. what uh, what about your first time? When did you meet Kyle? I'm assuming through the Beyondos or? That's funny. I have no idea. I don't really? probably, I mean, just I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. I like just one of those guys you've known forever, right? I mean, right. I remember him uh remember him taking my kid. He's he's just such a good guy too. I remember taking my kids to uh McDonald's when we were at Sonoma one time when my kids were really, really little. Because I think Kyle's a little kid himself, right? So mm-hmm. I'm gonna hang out with a little kids, took him McDonald's, whatever. Yeah, super good guy. Super yeah. good guy. Hopefully I'll see him at the lot in a few weeks. I don't know if that's gonna happen or not. We'll see. Yeah, but is that your next event you plan on heading to? <clears throat> Who knows, bro? I mean, does anyone really know? Right. <laughs> What's your next event? Oh, the campground or the river in a couple weeks. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I have no idea, dude. I, I don't even. I'm, I'm going to start to look for something to do. I mean, with any trade not starting the August one now, you know, it's. Uh, I don't know. I hope the glot race happens. I don't know that it's gonna. You know, I mean, it's. I look at the North Carolina governor's phased-in plan. It doesn't look too encouraging for. What that's, we're here. One, two, three four, five, five weeks from today would be the Wednesday of Galat, the first day of the race, Tuesday's a test deal. I, I don't, I'm, <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's awful. Absolutely awful. Talking about this, I, I think like most of the racing community knows that like your dad's car is your super stock car. And I know every time you refer to it to me, it's just always your dad's car, but what, uh, so one thing that I thought was pretty cool, and I guess I had like a really small hand in this. I had my uh, buddy of mine who's a painter here in Vegas over the winter, uh, paint your car back to the original color. And you haven't even really got to show it off because you went to what, two races before this whole mess. But what, uh, like, what's the history there? Like, obviously I'm assuming when you got it from your father, it was the orange. Is that right? Yeah, and it, uh, some place around here. Yeah, no, my dad bought the car new. It's been orange its whole life, or was orange its whole life. Hmm. Got to be something around here, someplace. Yeah, where, what? I don't have one of the first dragster. I have to, huh? Well, that's the way. That's the way it looked there. I don't know if you can see that. That was wherever that was. Oh, look, sell one. Sell one count. (laughs) Big surprise. Yeah. I thought I had, hmm. I guess not. But so, yeah. So you you got it orange from him when your father passed it down to you, essentially. And then you painted it for sponsorship reasons, I assume? Yeah. 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 I got painted in 1997 in Valvoline Scheme. And, uh, and then after that, it's just been on. I think your painter guy's a funny dude. What's his name? Mike, is it? Mike, yeah. Mike, he's a character, dude. He yeah. said uh, it was like counting the rings of a tree, whatever. He found like eight paint jobs or something on the car. Poor car's yeah. never been stripped or 
Maybe my dad might have stripped it one time when he painted it, but no, it was it was orange and it was Valvoline. So it was orange, then it was Valvoline, then it was Summit, then it was a different Summit, then it was KN, then it was Valvoline again, then it was Peak, and now it's orange with scrub masters. So I, you. I, don't, I don't need my socks off yet, but I'm getting them. Right, that's cool. And what? Uh, what's your plan? I mean, obviously, you'll never get rid of that car ever. What? Uh, I mean, would you, would you just think it'll always be a super stalker? What? I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I'm going to. Uh, well, it's been. It's been a million different combinations, but it. I think. I guess it's probably going to stay as an LS now. I don't see it going back to anything else. So, you know that. Yeah, dude. <clears throat> I started or I ended last year putting the motor in the car, the LS motor, and really just put in for one race here in Charlotte and then went to Vegas and Pomona and then started out Pomona and Phoenix. I haven't even, now the thing's got an LS motor and it's orange and I haven't had it in my house like at right. all. It's this sucks. This yeah. is just awful, dude. <laughs> it's just awful. Yeah. yeah. But it's no, cool. no, it'll be a super stacker forever. Um, anticipate handing it down to my kids. I have thought about, you know, putting in a museum, you know, whether the NHRA museum or, or what have you, but, you know, I think my kids would be a little bit upset if they did that. So right. between that and the other Camaro, you know, I, you know, I think we'll you know, just keep them. <laughs> my where, did the other, where did the other Camaro come from? <laughs> I've had that since I was 15. It was actually when I was a little kid pedaling on the road, drove by the thing sitting in a driveway, had Texas plates on it, and it wasn't there the day before, and then it was, and then it was there for a few more days, and I finally went up to the door and knocked on it, and the guy was selling it, and uh, we had to give $1,000 for it, I remember that. Oh. And I've had that now for, Christ, 40 years. <laughs> 40 i've had that longer than you've been around son <laughs> no kidding <clears throat> no kidding well that's cool i'm very happy with the way that car came out so right now it's we finally got to uh put it on the ground and drive it out the driveway the other day it was a nice day finally once but that's white with ati on it now and uh it looks the white always presents really well so the nova okay. and the Camaro are both white now and I'm super happy with the way they look. They're both schemed identical ATI and Mickey and Strutmasters. And um, it, it looks really, really good. Super good. Yeah, that's cool. So, again, hoping to get – poor Timothy, he's going to be driving that car in the Nova this year. And your network bandwidth is low again. He's going to be driving the Camaro in the Nova this year. And we bought a new two-car trailer for him to haul those things around in. He's just all tore up, dude. We're all, we're all ready to go, and just no place to go. Terrible. Right. Terrible. How does this? You mentioned you mentioned it. We were on the phone the other day, but I think you've been like a little bit public about wanting to move from New York to uh, North Carolina. Does this put a damper on any of that? Like, does it delay that a little bit? Dude, just like everyone, I don't know which way's up right now. You know, we're supposed to have uh, we're supposed to have uh, been house hunting. You know, was, I was supposed to have gone back to Vegas and run Vegas in the fling at Vegas. 
and then have gone to Charlotte. And the Glock fling was going to be back, what, May 1 was, Glock fling was supposed to be last week, right? Yeah, yep. last week. And then right now today, we're, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week, we're supposed to have been house hunting down there. Look for land, if we're going to build, look for houses, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, some people are going to go home and I'm losing track here, maybe. But then it was go to Bristol or whatever. And then, or no, it would have been Atlanta. And then more house hunting we had scheduled, dealing with the realtor there and blah, blah, blah. It's a complete mess now. I mean, I by the time the end of this month came around, I had wanted to have property or a house bought because I was going to spend the better part of a couple of weeks down there, really, okay. you know, boots on the ground and, and really looking into it. <clears throat> now, after, if the Glock fling happens beginning of June, we're supposed to house hunt after that. And I don't know if that's going to happen. So, yes, it's putting a damper on it. <laughs> have you, have you, uh, have you picked a city yet? Like, where do you, where do you want to be there? My staff, for some reason, wants to be around Raleigh, which, I mean, it's a great area. But, uh, you know, I don't – it seems like properties are pretty pretty pricey. You know, it's not – you know, not a – I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to try and sell this place and move down there and put some money in my pocket. And I don't really want to just take every nickel out of this house and – put into that house if I do I do but Raleigh area suburbs thereof I don't mind being further away than what it appears as they want to be away so we'll figure out a compromise position honestly dude it's looking right now because I think we might have to build and if I got to build pardon me I don't think building from 700 miles away is the smart thing to do so I might just buy something you know relatively inexpensive not that you would dream of living in for longer than, you know, six months or a year or whatever it might be, but just buy, buy something that where I can park all of our equipment, you know, we could stay there for a, a bit while we figure out exactly where we want to be, buy the land, get the house built, and then just off that place and slide over. So but we got to get down there and start figuring it out. I mean, but right now, I mean, my motorhome and trailer is still in Vegas. You know, we can't, you know, if my motorhome is home, I might just drive down there and go spend a week and start. And I'm probably going to have to just fly out to Vegas and pick it up here in the next few weeks or something and get it back home. Just, I got work to do on the other cars that are in that trailer. And uh, it's going to be a lot of miles. It's going to be a lot of wasted miles to go out there and get it to just, started i'm not going to start at seattle i'll probably start at denver but uh i need to get my shit on so i don't know dude this whole deal is just just a mess just a complete mess what uh what is the plan for those that don't know like what was the deciding factor i mean i know what my deciding factor would be to want to move to north carolina and it's snow in the winter but what was the deciding factor for you like what made you want to leave new york you've been there your whole life i assume right my father died a long time ago. I wanted to get out of here. Dude, this is not centrally located for racing at all. It's terrible. I mean, we got a couple local tracks, and I mean, the one local track's a pretty nice little local track, and the guy tries to do a really good job with it. And, um, but just, 
when you do this kind of deal around where you live, you know, the, the half of where I live is Canada, <laughs> you know, is the lake and is, you know, if you could throw a rock across the lake, you know, Toronto's probably only 40 miles or 50 miles, whatever it might be. You know, it's, I don't live in a smart location at all. And it's extremely expensive. The taxes are awful. The property taxes are terrible. Um, the, the, the effort it takes to go someplace. I mean, dude, everywhere I go is five or 600 miles. And I know a lot of people don't live in great places, but everywhere we go, it's an asset to get there. And, you know, I mean, I'm going to be, <laughs> I mean, in, in taxes and traveling, I mean, I'm going to be 20 or $25,000 ahead to be based out of like Raleigh as opposed to here. And there's no, just no questions about that. And my dad's that my dad is dead over 20 years. I mean, I've pissed away a lot of money staying up here, but you know, my wife's family, this and the other, and her mom passed away a few years ago and her sister, she's really close with, unfortunately, sadly fucking passed away last fall. Um, our daughters, our youngest child, she graduated college, you know, two springs ago now. There's really nothing holding us here. And all of a sudden she's really become averse to the cold and whatever. And just, dude, it's the roads suck, the taxes suck, the travel sucks. I mean, there's just no reason to be here now. It's time to, it was time to go a long time ago. But when I think about all the problems I have on the road of, you know, trailer tires or wheel bearings and all the, you know, travel and all the shit that can go wrong. Dude, when I, when I've got to, if we live in Raleigh, <clears throat> two Charlottes, Bristol, Richmond, Atlanta, I'm going to have five national events within four hours of the house. Crazy. You know how much less shit you're going to tear up on your truck and trailer when you're going 200 miles someplace right. and Wilburns won't heat up. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be, just way gooder way gooder so you're not going to have all that time to think though driving all those miles <laughs> well that is the downside yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. mr negative there you know, mr. <laughs> Hefty, finding, finding a problem yeah <laughs> no i can't dude i can't wait it's going to be this you know being trapped here this year with the with the rona um you know generally i'm gone the beginning of february and i'm in and i'm out Last few years, I've taken a second small rig down to Florida in March and down there for a week or two and then out to May. So, I mean, when it gets to be February 1, I'm out of here pretty much back and forth, you know. Well, this year, I mean, I was gone in February for a week or a few days and I'm back. And then, you know, after Phoenix, you know, left it out there and, and came home, we didn't go to Florida this year, wasn't ever anticipating it. Had I known now what was happening, I might have. <laughs> um, but now I've been trapped here now since February 20, whatever, I've been home to March. Day, I mean, over two and a half months, I've been home now. Well, the problem with New York, <clears throat> I mean, dude, it's, I don't mind it being cold and shitty in, in November and December and January, and then February, I'm gone. Well, it's still like Saturday here. It's supposed to be a high of like 40 degrees flat with snow flurries and whatever. I mean, today it's now... You know, my phone says it is 43 degrees. It's 43, wow. it's May, May 6th, right? It's 43 degrees. Now it's, 
not raining today, so it's a great day. But it's just gray and nasty and shitty until, you know, like now. I mean, it, it should be stopping now. But all of a sudden, it'll be June. It'll be 80 degrees and, and just, you know, just humid and nasty. Sunday here was gorgeous. It was like 70 degrees and sunny. And then the next day, it was 40. But wow. whatever. So, yeah, get me out of here, dude. Get me taxes, weather, you know, just time to go. Yeah, I understand. I, I don't think I can handle it. That's for sure. Mm. All right, Dan. Well, thank you for taking the time out of your day. I know you have extra time these days anyway, but I still appreciate yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit of extra time. Hey, right. so having a midlife crisis here, apparently. I can't, I've never dreamed of ever wanting such a thing. I know what this is. <laughs> no, this is, come on, bro. This is funny. Yeah, it's funny. I, I bought What's, a motorcycle. I let me tell you what, but hold on. Let me explain it. He didn't just buy a motorcycle. Like, so for those of you that have met Dan and Fletcher, Dan Fletcher in person, he's a very, like, I, Big guy, like tall, broad-shouldered. Like he's the last guy I want to get a fight. Like I wouldn't want to be screaming at him if I'm a tough guy, right? Like whatever. Just imagine big, tough, strong Dan Fletcher on a sportster. <laughs> but the deal was right. The deal was right. You need like a full-blown bagger, like a huge motorcycle, like. The my father-in-law well my father-in-law has a sports gear but he's like five foot four yeah so i so we took it for the first extended ride on sunday my honey you know it's it was perfect because i already had the back seat and the sissy bar thing and it was super clean low miles i knew the guy so that's why i bought it i never i didn't want a motorcycle. I had a dirt bike when I was a kid. I haven't had a motorcycle my whole entire adult life. But right now with having a lot of free time and not a lot of joy, not a lot of happiness, thought it might be fun to do for the summer. We took it out for a ride the other day. And yeah, I probably am a little bit too big for it. I mean, I came home, like both of my hips were like cramped from sitting here like this. You know, I mean, it, it's not, not, yeah. Might have, if we stay on this motorcycle thing, yeah, we might have to get a little bit bigger bike. So I'm just sticking my toe in, seeing how, seeing how it feels. So yeah, yeah. No, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Unruh, uh, you know Phil Unruh, but I think he's probably in the last three years. I'm gonna. He he wanted to get into motorcycles like three years ago, and I think of the last three years, he's probably bought twelve to fifteen motorcycles and somewhere in between, <laughs> trying to find the right one. Right. right, right. His budget's a little different than ours, but it's definitely pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're you're talking to a guy here that's got a 20 year old pickup, a 20 year old trailer, a 17 year old motorhome. So I'm probably not to go buy a new fucking motorcycle kind of guy. So yeah, I understand. <laughs> All right, bro. All right, well, thanks. Have thanks fun for on the motorcycle. All right, man. Yeah, and thanks for uh, coming. All right, buddy. See you later. All right. See you. Bye. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com.
Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect. Led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.